Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. It's podcast to the spawning. <laughs> That's a great line in that movie. I mean, what the fuck? No one's gonna know. No one's watching this. But I think this will be. No one will watch it. There, there is no thing we have covered, including well, the buried secret of M Night Shyamalan. What about praying with anger? I think more people look that up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I don't think many people watch that. I, I don't know if anyone's gonna fucking watch this. This is a great start to our new mini series, guys. I'm David Sims. I'm Griffin Newman. Yep. This is a podcast called Blank Check. Mm-hmm. We go through the filmographies of directors who experience early success mm. and then are given a series of blank checks by Hollywood to do crazy passion projects. That's sometimes true. those checks clear and sometimes they bounce, baby. Sure. Uh, and uh, we're, we're you we know. We talked about a lot of filmmakers. Yeah. George Lucas. Boom. M. Night Shyamalan. Ha ha. Uh, the Wachowskis. Oh ho. <laughs> Cameron Crowe. Coo-coo-coo. And now we got a new director on, on deck. Good old Jimmy Cameron. That's right. You voted for him. We gave him to you on Eventually. delay. <laughs> you demanded him and we kind of heard you. Yeah, we heard you at an echo. Uh, this is, this is uh, you know, back-to-back Camerons. Back-to-back cams, but not a first name this time, a last name. Hey, now. Uh, this is the... Uh, today James we're... Francis Cameron. Yes, and and, and by the way, because everyone's been waiting, the name of this miniseries is, after much debate and hand-wringing, the name of this miniseries is... <clears throat> Podinator, colon, Judgment Cast. Now, you don't have to say the colon aloud. I mean, Griffin does, but you, the viewer, the listener, does not. Hey, look. It's your call. It'd be pretty cool if you did. Now, we know it's a bad name. We know. You we, can tell us, but we know. We would argue we had no better options. <laughs> we we thought long and hard yep. about what to call this thing, and there were no good there were no good options. Pod me like one of your cast girls sounds like a threat of sexual assault. It does. I had suggested Pod Alien cast. He did indeed. <laughs> and who's of course, he? Well, of course, that is the uh, noble producer of our show. Uh, in addition to being one of the uh, world's finest film critics, in fact, nay, the world's finest film critic, I mean, yeah, our finest film critic, uh, he is the producer of the show. He is producer Ben. Uh, he's the pro doer. He's the Ben Deucer. He's Mister Hositive. He's Birthday Benny. He's the tiebreaker. He's the fuckmaster. He is not Professor Crispy. He is the peeper. Yeah. Oh, what's the new one? Uh, great or Hot White Benny? Right. That was one. Hot White Benny. Yeah. There was a White Hot Benny or something. White Hot Benny floated in one episode. I forget which one. Oh, yeah. I can't keep track of this. <laughs> Listeners tweeted us about whatever that is because yeah. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot too. Guys. Greet, greet him with a, a, a hello fennel. Yeah. If you see him on the streets. Uh-huh. A fuck master in the sheets. I know I repeated that one, but that's I, I can't avoid that joke opportunity because that just uh, came to me. Uh, what else? What else to say about him? Well, of course, you know we've done different miniseries. At the end of miniseries, he, um, you know, uh, graduates to different titles, uh, such as uh, producer Ben Kenobi, mm. Kylo Ben, mm. uh, Ben Hachamlan. Yep, I was easy that one. Ben Sait. Sure, it was obvious. Yeah, and uh, the results of our uh, poll. We had a poll. We had a poll. We pot a cast. We pot a cast, and we had a poll. <laughs> and I missed this. Was this on our Twitter? Yes. Yeah. Uh, with 17% coming up the rear, uh, Aloha's. 
I don't even. Oh, Alohaz. I get yeah. it. That's cute. I thought so too. It doesn't look great, but it sounds fun. Yeah. It's uh, very subtle, said aloud. Yes. 19% in second place. I was surprised because I thought this was going to be the winner. Say Benny thing. Oh, Say Benny thing didn't make it? Came in third place. Okay. In second place with 30%, Vanilla Sky. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Oh, I, boy. I think that would have been the best nickname. I think we shot ourselves in the foot by mispronouncing Vanilla Sky all season. Vanilla Sky? Right. Yeah. And then we went to Vanilla Sky sometime. Okay. Okay. But what's the winner? And the winner with 34%, Benny Lane. He is now officially- All right, Benny Lane. Benny Lane. You made it. Is wow. in our hearts. Okay. Yeah. Uh, ben Great Husley. job, guys. Yeah. yeah, Ben Husley's here, and we're talking. <laughs> He's holding James his arms Cameron. up in the air. He is. A la, uh, a la Kate Winslet. Yes, I mean on the, Leo on the bow of the Titanic. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you had Kate me. and Leo. We had you, but we're not at, at Hello Fennel. We're not at Kate and Leo. <laughs> we're not. We're not even close to Kate and Leo. This right is an now. inauspicious debut. We and are at Trisha and Steve. Now who I are feel the romantic yes. leads of this movie. I feel confident uh, committing an episode to a movie that no one will fucking watch. No, because every movie we're going to be talking about from here on out is one of the biggest movies of winner. all time. Is a it's winner. insane. There are no dips so at this point. We've what done a run. We've done insane. a blank check guy every time. Who's guy or girl? Who's mm-hmm. been sort of. Uh, early success. Oh no, crazy like, bottoming out. Maybe a rebound and then ooh, something really weird. You know, like bit of an up and down. Mm-hmm. James Cameron is up, 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 baby. Yeah, uh, basically, he, he gets a bigger check every time. Yeah, and uh, it clears. With one exception, they all basically do better than the last one. And and here's the thing: the one exception, the one that bombed at the time. Yeah, quote unquote bombed. The was abyss a, was is a what disappointment, we're right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has now like undergone like a serious critical reevaluation. Yeah, and, People and love it. It's and, like a, it's, it's a, a beloved. It's a movie. groundbreaking movie. It's yeah. maybe his least beloved, but it's still pretty beloved. But that's like any other filmmaker would be very happy to have right. the abyss in there. Literally uh, groundbreaking. <laughs> Damn, that was good. That was. God, yeah, let's that go. was good. Game recognized game. Out of, out of, let's get out of here. Ben's doing a lot of hand gestures. Right? He's dancing really right now in his seat. So, James Cameron. Yes. Let me give you a little backstory Please on do. Jimmy Jimmy C, we call him. Yeah. I mean, that's what I call him. Jimmy C to his friend. Jimmy C. He was born in 1954. Good year. In Ontario, Canada. In a, uh, I can't even say the name. I mean, he grew up in Chippewa, Ontario. Okay. Which is, I believe, where Leo's character is from, except they, not, they don't say Ontario. He's in from, Satanic? In Satanic, he's from Chippewa. I can't remember. Oh, well, okay. well, we'll we'll get back to that. Yeah. So he's a Canadian boy. Uh-huh. You know, goes to school. Oh yeah. Drops out all of one right. high school. Yeah, exactly. Take it easy, baby. Make it last. Make it last all night. James was a Canadian boy. Great. We just got a mean review saying I cut you off too much, so I didn't cut you off. <laughs> during that, uh, he enrolled in college. Uh huh. He dropped out of college. Cool beans. In, in 74. He was a truck driver for a while. Yeah. And started learning about special effects. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then in 1977, he saw Star Wars. Yeah. So it's a good connection to our uh, original miniseries. Yes. And I believe, I might be wrong about this, but I believe at some point he wanted to be sort of a engineer. I think he was interested in sort of working in vehicular engineering or something he, like that? He, um, he, when he went to college, he was studying physics. Okay. But he didn't, yeah, so maybe he gotcha. was pursuing, but he didn't, he didn't last. I might be misremembering this, he but I remember, hack it. I remember him in some interview saying, like, growing up, maybe when he was younger, that was sort of his idea. But it, but it makes sense because he has a very technical mind, you know, both in terms of structure and machinery and pushing technology, but his films are very, you know, like, they're, they're very tightly made. Yeah. Um, his storytelling is even very technical, you know? 
uh, very technical, yeah. even here. Yes. I just want to say he read Sid Field's book, Screenplay. Okay. And it con- occurred to him that integrating science and art was possible, according right. to Wikipedia. I don't know if that's true. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and so he, you know... He bought a camera. He took it apart to see how it worked. He started making little movies. Now, true or false, he did not buy a zoo, right? Didn't buy a zoo. Okay. Well, I mean, he thought about it. Yeah. I, I'll try not to hold that against him. And uh, then he uh, started doing kind of PA work, second AD work, you know, worked at Roger Corman Studios, started working on B-movies, making special effects, like like a lot of these guys yeah. who came up in the 70s and 80s. He learned, applied his trade sort of mm-hmm. at the bottom of the Hollywood. You do the nuts and bolts rung. work. Yeah. Yeah. Learn how to like make things fast, make things efficient, like, yeah. you know, whatever. And then, uh, you know, he gets tossed this job on Piranha 2 The Spawning, the, the film we're discussing today. Now, you looked into the background of this film, but the yeah. first film was a Roger Corman movie. So the first, the first Piranha? Yes. Yeah, which came out in what year? 78, maybe? Yeah, 78. Okay, and was directed by Joe Dante. Joe Dante, written by John Sayles. Yeah, which is a killer team. Yeah, and it was like a very straightforward parody of Jaws. Right. Like, it's a silly spoof of the, like, brief craze of, like, underwater Then you had, like, Orca. Orca. Orca and the Deep. Orca. Orca. You had Orca and the Deep and all these movies, and they were sort of trying to deflate the balloon a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I've seen, you, apparently you've never seen Piranha. I've never, and Joe Dante's one of my favorite directors. Very, I don't very know why funny movie. Yeah. It's sort of, you know, tongue-in-cheek, gory, you know, mocking the kind of, like, you know, girls in bikinis and, you know, like, sort yeah. of all, all of the, the window dressing of these kinds of movies, mm-hmm. right? You know, like, the sort of cheap Hollywood side of stuff. Produced by Roger Corman. Right. The master of schlock. Yeah. and And famous for giving a lot of, Filmmakers, their start yes, from, from very Coppola, Scorsese, Scorsese yeah. uh, Jonathan Demme, a lot of Ron Howard. A lot of these guys come out of the Corman school. And the thing he would always say is like, "If you make a, a movie good enough for me, you'll never have to make a movie for me ever again." You know? Yeah. It was sort of very low stakes, and they just he got stuff made. Um, so he makes the first one. It was his attempt to capitalize on the Jaws craze. This film has no a creative uh, uh, members in common with the first one. So just uh, Roger Corman. Uh, was surprised by Piranha doing well. Piranha did really well. Uh-huh. And I think that's sort of the problem with Roger Corman is he was just making these. He he didn't have a major sense of what was actually going to do well or be well, he's good. he's also like quantity he's over quality. He's that's the idea. Out. It's a factor. Line. So right. Piranha actually did well, but in his contract, he didn't have like, he didn't retain the rights. The okay. rights went to like the executive producers. And it, including this Italian guy, was he no, one no, of the producers? They took okay. it to the Italian. Guy. Interesting. So the people, th- the last people who had any creative involvement, sold it off to other people. Mm-hmm. This film's entirely new team, which is kind of like like Zombie Two, which is like the, the, the Italian sequel to, uh, yeah, totally different Dawn of the movie. Dead. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Jeff Shetterman, who is one of these guys, took it okay. to Ovido Asinitis. Uh huh. As- Asinitis. Uh huh. Who said he would put up the money? And uh, the one thing he wanted was that the fish could fly. Well, Piranha he... 1, fish are in the ocean. Piranha 2, the fish have wings? Spoiler, he got his wish. I mean, yeah, kind of. He wished for a flying fish, and he, he got it. The fish have wings in this movie. So uh, first they hired a guy called Miller Drake, who is another uh, Corman guy. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently the director came up to him and said, Want to direct the movie? And he said, sure. <laughs> I'm free next took a, Tuesday. Why not? <laughs> they took another producer, and the producer said, fine. 
<laughs> I'm getting this from a very good Entertainment Weekly piece from 2010 that was like an oral history of all the Piranha movies. Okay. Like, you know, including the, the remake that they later made. Yes. This was for the release of Piranha 3D. Now, he yeah. wanted to bring back some of the cast from Piranha 1. He wanted to bring back the lead scientist guy who gets eaten up. He wanted to have him like be all like scarred and like have holes in his face or to something. To which I say, cool. Yeah, that sounds good. Sounds real cool. Uh, and like he got like makeup guys like working on this, and it seems like uh, Asinitis, the Italian producer, was just like, eh, forget it, and fired him. <laughs> so, it, <laughs> so then they call up James Cameron, who's like yeah. another guy. Yeah. Like another, he'd worked on a second AD on like some Corman thing. And he, mm-hmm. there was this story about him. And I like this story. And this is the first seed we have of James Cameron. Now, it's just, some people say it's apocryphal, but this, they say it's true in this. Okay. Thing, that he was working on, uh, he was like, he was working on some uh, Corman, yeah, as a second AD on a movie called Galaxy of Terror. And he had to direct some worms like writhing around in the ground. And they like roll and the worms aren't moving. Like, you know, they have these worms and they're not moving. And so he, like, rigs up, like, an electrical cord into the dirt. Yeah. And he's like, when I say action, turn it on. And, like, they turn it on, like, shock the worms, and the worms start writhing around. And this was, like, what convinced them, hey, this guy, James Cameron, he's got a future in the movie. He's a problem solver. He could make worms move around. And he's also, I mean, you know, the... The legacy of James Cameron is this is one of the most confident men in history. Yeah. He knows what he wants and he gets it done. Uh, I just I'm on the IMDb trivia page for Go Piranha ahead. 2: The Spawning, and there's a really interesting uh, trivia fact here. Uh, the Piranhas in this sequel developed an additional skill which they did not have in Piranha 1978. Period. They could fly. Period. So <laughs> that's a trivia fact for this movie. So you know, I think um, in last week's Under Siege episode, we briefly yes. talked about Star Trek Beyond. Yes. And how when they hit pre-production, you know, like the one thing Justin Lin was like sure about was like, I really want the Enterprise to crash in right. this movie. That has to I be, want them to, to yeah, tear to, it apart. Yeah, right. yeah that yeah, has yeah. to be a big set piece. Yeah. And it really does seem like the Italian, this Italian guy, and yeah. this was not uncommon, in the, especially in the 70s, these yeah. sort of like exploitation movies made, funded by Italian studios. Yeah. The Italian guy's like, look, look, I got the money for you. And I mean, it probably costs like a million bucks to make this yeah. movie, something like that. But but listen, listen, listen. <laughs> They've got to fly. They better fly. Those piranha better fly. What's well, like the famous John just Peters FYI, story about the piranha, giant spider. Yeah, yeah, John Peters and his right. giant spider, he just which he eventually point. worked into right. Wild Wild West. But, but he, he wanted w- it in like Superman. Superman right. Yeah. He wanted to get a giant spider in a movie. He became obsessed with this idea of there being a giant, a giant metal spider. spider. Yeah. Yes. I'm all for it. Yeah, well, well sure. yes, of course. You like things big. Yeah, you and John Peters, like, if that had ever happened, you two would just united somehow. That You would have been holy terror. Could you imagine John Peters and Ben running a studio well, can together? Can you imagine just Ben running a studio? That'd be great. We need to start a I studio. Just imagine him, like, sitting in a chair, and he's like, I like it, but bigger. <laughs> <laughs> have you thought about this? Bigger. <laughs> wet. Make him wet. <laughs> Not right. wet enough. These I are want these, them soaked, baby. These are callbacks to our old episodes. So, guys, if you're jumping on with James Cameron, listen back. We've got so many great episodes. God, and what a good entry point this is going to be for new listeners. Piranha 2. <laughs> the spawning. So, James Cameron. Very disappointed by the lack of Todd McFarlane's spawn in this movie. I thought there was going to be more of him. What? There's no spawning in this movie. I mean, no. there is. We're told that they have spawned, I guess. But they are already there once the movie begins. Yeah, I mean, that's like if you called, like, you know, uh, uh, an Indiana Jones movie, like, The Birth of Indiana Jones. And it's like, well, because, you, you know, at some point he was born. 
Right. It doesn't right, happen right. within this movie. He's, he was alive, so he, he was, definitely he's was alive. Born. So he was born at some point. At some point, these piranhas must have spawned. But by the f- time this film starts, they're already like a full force. So apparently, Cameron, obviously, he's in a nobody second AD. He's yeah. very excited to get this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about the movie now. But the thing about the production was it was very underfinanced. Uh-huh. And James Cameron was really trying to make it pop. The sequences he worked on, like he was, it seems like going a little over budget to actually make the movies seem good. Yeah. And so after a while, he was kind of fired. Yeah. And the Italian producer guy, Acevita, uh, you know, directed a lot of it himself. So he cut the movie himself. So that's what I read. Cameron I read... reportedly broke into the editing yes. studio, cut his own version, but that was not accepted. What I read is that they, uh, the the Asavita guy started sort of being really heavy on his shoulder, yeah. right? Demanding rewrites and stuff like that. And then also, but but Cameron remained the guy shooting the film on a day to day basis. But they were telling he him was what around, to do. But yeah, he wasn't able to look at the dailies, and they were editing it together. So he was never like left the movie. But no. he doesn't really consider this his debut. But I think Cameron says right, his debut is Terminator. Right, pretty he, much. He doesn't deny this movie existing, no, but he's no, like that he, wasn't fully my movie. He makes fun of it. He calls. Uh, he's called on sixty minutes. He called Asinitis. Asinitis. Yeah, called him like a sort of a sleazy guy who wanted to like throw a bunch of penthouse models into scenes and you know stuff like that. And, and you feel that like there are certain scenes in this, specifically kind of like the TNA scenes that play a lot broader. We are like that yeah. must. That doesn't feel like Cameron. Doesn't I mean, who knows? Maybe Cameron was like, hey, I get it. It's a B-movie. Like, right. I get what you want out of me. But, but there uh, are certain scenes in this movie that feel very Cameron-y. I mean, it's interesting to look at early films of directors like this, oh, right? Oh, it is. It is. Definitely. Well, we'll get to that. I just have one more thing to tell yeah. you about. I'm just giving you guys a Oh, few. yeah, yeah. Yes. So, according to Carol Davis, who I think is an actress in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, there was a big scene where Asinitis was doing a shot of the spawning. I guess it's when they're coming out of the water at that party. Okay. Fish. Yeah. And he, according to her, she says, All right, uh, everybody, uh, we're all going to say we wanted a fish. We wanted a fish. Uh, that's what she said happened. There you go. That's in that article. That's another thing. Was like No you, one understood what he was saying. If you look at the end credits of the film, the entire crew is Italian. Yeah. And apparently and most it, of them didn't speak English, and Cameron had a very hard time communicating with them. And I think it was them. shot in Jamaica. Yes. It sounds like. Shot in like the Cayman Islands in Jamaica and Italy. It was shot in all three with an all-Italian crew, American actors, and a Canadian director. It sounds like a tough, a tough early process. You know, like we talked about Shyamalan's first real film, Wide yeah. Awake, right? Where he's kind of meddled with, right? Yeah. Like by the by Miramax and by Harvey Weinstein, and yeah. they take the cut away from him. And they don't release it. You know, yeah. He learns an early, like, valuable lesson, right? right. Like. Wachowski's now nah, the brown brown's so good. Brown's so, perfect. But I mean it yeah. can happen with some of these. Which guys. is incredible because it was Dino De Laurentiis. Like that seems like a situation where they would be meddled with, but somehow that well, movie they, was... they they really tried to avoid being meddled with, I guess. Yeah. They like did a good job of it. But anyway, they, so this it just feels like that same story where Cameron is just learning like what can go wrong. The right. value of having creative total creative control and uh and of writing something yourself. I mean, he is an uncredited writer on this. I don't know how much work he did on this script. Yeah. I, I do think that's the biggest um, takeaway from this movie is this movie makes is more interesting to watch as an origin story mm-hmm. of how Cameron became the director he became rather than like these are the seeds of what he was good at that hadn't blossomed because he little bits of it but it like doesn't feel 
it doesn't have the same sort of overarching Cameron feel that every other movie does. But I think I remember no. I remember reading this interview with Wes Anderson where he talked about working on Bottle Rocket. Sure. And he felt like there were arguments he lost or things where he was just too tired and they didn't get things done, right? Wes Anderson, obviously a director who's known for being like in complete control of yeah, his craft very, very and micromanaging cool. every detail from the set to the lines to the yeah. performances and camera movements and everything. And he felt like that was a movie where he settled sometimes. Sure. And he's proud of the movie, but he watches it and he sees the po- points where he Sounds settled. like Wes Anderson. Well, I mean, directors tend to be in control. Yes, and yeah. Wes Anderson certainly... Top you know, of the line. If you were going free. to yeah. like armchair diagnose him, he's the first guy you would throw that on to. But... Um, but but he said that he decided from that point on, starting with Rushmore, that he was like, I don't care if I lose sleep. I don't care what I have to do. Uh-huh. Like, I'm going to make everything exactly the way I want to make it. And this kind of feels to me like an even greater example of that, where, like, here's a movie where they literally were wrestling control away from him on a day-to-day right. basis. And he was like, I'm never going to lose an argument well, we're ever We're talking about again. a director who's quite famous for being a control freak. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but, but that's where this I film mean, comes Cam- into play. This, no, right, I get what you're saying. Because this movie's, like, we all over the map. Right, right yeah. Um, but but that's what I find interesting about watching this is like this is clearly such a compromised movie with some interesting glimpses of stuff, and then from here on out, he never makes a movie that isn't exactly what he wants to make. Absolutely, and he goes to being like the first guy to make a hundred million dollar movie, the first guy to make a two hundred million dollar movie, and then we still don't know exactly how much Avatar costs because right. I don't think anyone ever wants to disclose that information. Yeah. Um, and and the combined cost of the next four Avatar movies is going to be astronomical. Right. But the idea is like not only is he not going to like lose a battle with like the studio with his crew, like he's famously kind of argumentative with crews or actors who try to oppose him in this and that. But also like if you say this can't be done, he's going to get people to give him amounts of money that have never been given to a movie before. And he's done it multiple times. No one, no one will ever make a hundred million dollar movie. And he's like, oh yeah, then how do you expect me to make a metal man? Right, right. And they're like, fine, here's a hundred million dollars. Like, he just wins. The dude just fucking wins. He's a winner. But Piranha 2 The Spawning is a bit of a loss. It's, it's, the, it's his big L. Yeah. The big L on his, everyone has one, and this is his. And last time to be trivia fact, uh... As of 2015, this is the only film James Cameron has directed that does not have a title starting with the letter T or A. Okay. Terminator, Aliens, Avatar, True Lies. I get it. I get it. Abyss. Kind of interesting. The Abyss is both, kind of. T-A. Yeah. Yeah. Terminator is T-T, the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Terminator 2. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. There it is. We should respond to that. So Podnator Judgment Cast, you might go, hey, where's the two? Where's the two in that title? Where's the two? We want people to listen to the show. We don't want people to think that there's a first podinator that they need to listen to in order to follow. So we're just we're going podinator colon judgment cast. I know it's not correct, and we're usually such sticklers for accuracy, but please, please forgive us. I'm sorry, guys, but yeah, I mean, or else we would have been called Poppy Wood. It doesn't matter. Right, okay. Yeah. You know, forget the title. You know what? Forget the title. Pioneer Blank 2. check. That's what we're called. Pioneer Judgment Cast. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's so, talk about Piranha 2 The Spawning. Piranha 2 The Spawning. Now, Piranha 2 Little the setup. Spawning. In Piranha 1, yeah. there was a bunch of piranhas. Okay. They were, I guess they were created in a secret lab. Yeah. Then they escaped the lab. They ate a bunch of people. Okay, so that is a thing in Piranha 1 that they're sort of militarized. Yes. That they yes, were a project yeah. on awry. That's right. Because I believe that usually... Uh, North American like beach towns don't have piranhas. They uh, are yep. rainforest creatures, I think. Yep. Yeah. And I think, I mean, look, uh, I haven't seen it. You have. 
But like Dante and Sales are smart guys. They know what they're doing. They were playing into the absurdity of the inherent concept and just trying to like the joke yeah. of like. Well, because, right, how small can the fish be right. while it's still scary? It's a funny It becomes idea. comical and this and that. This movie plays it pretty fucking straight. Yeah. This movie is not a comedy this at all. This movie feels like a bad remake of Jaws. You know, like, yes. whereas the, you know, the original movie is trying to make fun of that idea. Yeah. This movie begins with two people scuba diving into, like, an abandoned wreck. Yeah. To have sex in it? Yeah. And here's, Underwater? Here's the thing. I don't know if I can. Ben's doing <laughs> Ben's hand doing gestures again. Hand gestures. Uh, I, I don't know if I can give the movie credit for this. Like, sometimes the things that are kind of cool about movies, especially if you're watching a movie like this that is not very good and you're looking for little aspects that jump out to you, are accidental. Right. And it might be like, look, just the limitations of film stock at the time, the limitations of the budget where they weren't able to light properly. I'm also watching like fucking, you know, an SD like streaming copy on my Amazon Fire tablet. Good job, buddy. Um, So it might just be like, you know, whatever. But one thing I like about this movie, whether it's intentional or not, is uh, this movie gets really dark. Like the night scenes in this movie are like pitch black and you can uh-huh. barely see anything. It, yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah. If there's it, not a shot in this movie that's good. Maybe there's a few. There's a few shots in this movie that are good. Yeah. But I don't think it's intentional. I think they no. wanted more things to be visible. But accidentally, yeah. I think it's kind of interesting because it's one movie where, like, when night hits the movie, it's just like, well, it's night. You can't see anything. <laughs> it's tough to see. It's night. And there's, I mean, the movie, <laughs> you know? probably like, the movie's biggest set piece is at night. Correct. The, the big beach party sequence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The underwater stuff looks pretty good. Which is, I mean, these are the seeds. Well, so this is the thing. So, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I'm, I queue up this movie and I'm like, this is going to be a chore. Like, what yeah. what are we really going to get out of James Cameron from this? And then, like, the first five minutes of the movie are underwater, yeah. which is his number one obsession. He loves the ocean. I mean, it's like, right? He's yes. obsessed, yes. And it is funny to say, oh, yeah, right, right there from the start. There yeah. he is doing some decent underwater photography yeah. of a naked chick and a, and a naked dude. Trying to bone underwater and getting eaten by a piranha. But kind of tellingly, he seems far more interested in what's going on underwater, like around them, yes, than the sex. Absolutely. And the, the movie can't have been expensive. No. But I don't know. He does a good job doing a lot of set pieces underwater. It but must it's have been hard. I, I think it's it's the loving gaze. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. yes. He oh, did, the, like the ocean, you mean? Yes. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, his male gaze is just towards aquatic life. Indeed. You know, like not towards the fucking that's happening. But I think that's like you can tell when things are lovingly photographed. Like even if you don't have the technical abilities, you know, the time and the resources yes. to make a beautiful painterly shot. It's like if someone really loves their subject, it kind of shows, mm-hmm. which is where the male gaze comes in this question of like, oh, when directors are oogling the actresses, you know, from behind the camera. And this is just like this dude fucking wants to jerk off in the ocean. You yeah. Know? I mean, so this is a movie with a lot of TNA, as yeah. they used to say. Which he seems pretty indifferent to. I was going to say, I mean, it's not trying very hard no. to seem at all like sexy or titillating. Like, well, there are women in it. Yeah. And sometimes they're naked and oftentimes they're in, like, you know, loose-fitting dresses or yeah. bikinis. There's or a lot whatever, of jiggling. You know. There's also a lot of, lot of no-bra, like, loose shirt What there isn't movie. a lot yeah. of is, like, lingering no. or kind of, like, very obvious sort of, you know, softcore kind of stuff. And I'll, yes. And I don't think that's even, like, because James Cameron is some radical feminist, although certainly he later makes movies with, like, interesting enough Well, and I characters. think actually the lead female character in this movie is kind of interesting. In how she's, she's definitely... Depicted. She's a proto... A proto, sort of, exactly. Right. Proto-Cameron heroine. Yes. Um, I think it's disinterest. I don't think it's like right. it's just kind of like I don't oh, think it's that he's this? that woke. I yeah. think that's not what he wants to fucking make. You know, you don't want to give him like a trophy for like avoiding the cliches because it's still in there. But I think he's just like 
that's not why he's making a fucking movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, like, you know, there there is gratuitous nudity in this movie, but there are actually a lot of moments where it feels like there should be nudity and he's not doing it. That's what it. I was going to say. There's nudity in the first 20 minutes. There's, like, yeah. a good... And then it kind of stops because, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But it does almost feel like they're like, what, I already did that. Like, you know, right? you got it, right? Right, but there, even, it feels like he's checking piranhas. that off the list. Like, that yeah, was a contractual like, obligation. Like, yeah. We want right. some, have wings. It feels like one of the conditions was, okay, condition one, the piranhas have to have wings. Check. Condition two, at least eight total tits in the movie. Yeah, right, right. And he was like, I'll get it out of the way in the first 15 minutes. I'll get it done. Yeah. I'll get the, I'll get, it's like, you know, he's trying to load up his college course load so he can get through yeah, right, all the requirements right, right. and like. Exactly. Because there's also, here's another thing there's not a lot of in this movie, piranhas. <laughs> No, there's and, not a ton of piranha scenes in this movie. I can't tell if it's because um, the the like, special effects budget yeah. was maybe a little spare, right? And they had this like piranha with wings thing that they wanted to do, yeah. and maybe like there was only so much they could do. I don't know. I mean, according to this EW article, it was on a stick. Yeah, it looks like it. And they would kind of attach it to you and yeah. then wiggle it around, yeah. and then you'd have a little prosthetic, you know, blood coming out of your neck or whatever. Yeah, that was the extent of it. Like. If you pitch me piranhas with wings, I'm imagining swarms of piranhas right. in the air. Right. You know, like a cloud of piranhas descending on me but here's, and skeletonizing me. <laughs> here's Skeletonizing is a good word. Uh, <laughs> Thank here, you. Here's what I find interesting, okay? Yeah. Um, of course this movie had, like, budgetary limitations. They can't get a full swarm going. You assume that they were sort of handcuffed and how much piranha like, stuff they could the, shoot. The first one cost a million bucks. I'm guessing this one costs less. I'm guessing I'm guessing half a million. Yeah, because the first one looks better than this one. Yeah. By a, by a ways. I mean, Joe Dante's a good director, but James Cameron's a good director. And Corman, yes. Corman kind of gives a shit. Like, as much yeah. as we were saying yeah. it's quality, quantity over quality, yeah. he does, like, want to make movies that people like. Whereas yeah. these guys, I think, were a little more craven. Mm-hmm. Um, What's interesting to me is, like, you look at Jaws, where famously the shark didn't work and it was too expensive. Absolutely. And, like, he had to rewrite on the fly and make the shark more of a looming threat than something you saw or it was glimpses and this and that. This movie, it feels like, at a lot of points, like, they're sort of talking about the piranhas in, like, a way where they're trying to crack the conspiracy. <laughs> But there's not constantly this looming threat of, like, the piranhas could attack at any moment. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. Like, Jaws, from the moment the shark hits, you're like, the shark could come up at any fucking time. Like, there's an uneasiness of the whole movie. And a lot of those lesser Jaws ripoffs have that. Right. And this, it feels like, once every 15 minutes, you're like, oh, right, piranhas. Yeah, this is a... So, I was... All right. Because there's not necessarily less piranha footage in this than Jaws. It just feels like the piranha stuff is less of a focus than the shark is in Jaws. I mean, maybe he just started, and, like, again, the first movie's a joke. This one's not. Right. They're not letting like, him. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Like, how scary is a piranha going to be? Piranhas aren't that scary. And James Cameron's famously kind of a literal person and doesn't have much of a sense of humor. You know, his sure. like his comedy is often the most this, derided element of his films. This movie lacks a sense of humor. Right, but he's not a guy who knows how to do tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. He's very earnest, you know? Yep. He's very self-serious in his concepts, regardless of how ridiculous they are. And so you could see that, like, I don't think he even had the ability to make this a parody on the level of no. Dante's Piranha, would that be what the producers wanted him to do? Dante's Piranha was the sequel to Dante's Peak, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Right. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, the, I mean, the Piranha stuff feels indifferent. Like, I mean, let's think of, like, what are some Piranha things that happen? There's the couple who have sex, and then I guess a Piranha eats them. I guess. I mean, and then you find the corpse. They find the corpse. Which is, the, like, 40 minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> they, what happened? 
happens in this movie? How did it pad to an hour and a half? Bizarre. Yeah. yeah. It's like forty minutes later. Okay, so let's go through the plot of this movie. Okay. You want to try? Sure. So, like I said, there were some piranhas last time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Got that? Some people try to have sex in the sea. I don't mean on the surface of the water. Nope. I don't mean in like a boat or on a dinghy. Uh-uh. Like they want to go underwater and yeah. have sex down in the water. They're doing like Cameron deep dive fucking. <laughs> and they're also taking off their oxygen yeah. source. Yeah. Yeah. To make out and What's fuck. their plan? I don't know. What's it's their weird. And they're in like a a wreck, like a rusty yeah. shipwreck. Which is like, talk about fucking like bloodborne diseases. Yeah, you, you know what, what I'm saying? You like, want to get tetanus like, doing right. this? Come on. Yeah, you're naked next to some rusty scrap metal. Boy, oh boy. So, they get eaten by a piranha. They do indeed. Cut to a bunch of tourists are taking diving courses uh-huh. in a hotel. Yeah. On a be- do we know where, the- where this is? I think Cayman Islands. It's a Caribbean island. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, and on one of their dives, uh, the student gets chomped up. Yeah. And then the the lead lady, who yes. is a diving instructor, right. who is played by Trisha O'Neill. And what I think is a pretty solid performance. She's pretty good. Anne Kimbra is her name. She's uh-huh. Anne. I do love in the credits when the credits roll and it's like, it, you know, Anne, just gives Jack, her Jim. Yeah, the names are like, it's it's the most bland names they could think of. Which is incredible because Lance Henriksen's character is almost exclusively referred to as Kimbra throughout the entire movie. They all call him by his last name. And right. in the end credits, it goes, Lance Henriksen, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dave, friendly Dave. It's like, I don't think anyone ever called him Dave the whole we'll, movie. They we'll call get him to Kimbra. him because he's obviously the, the star of the movie, right? Well, I mean, he's, the, he's the guy who pops. Yeah, he pops like a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So, Trisha O'Neill, the only thing I know her from is she played the captain of the Enterprise C in oh. one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Interesting. A very good episode called Yesterday's Enterprise. Okay. And so I guess that's a bit of pop culture marginalia, but it's literally a one episode appearance. Yeah, and she hasn't done that much. I mean, Apparently she's still she's in to... Titanic. Okay. I would assume in a very that's small That's nice. Role. Yeah, he's. I think he's pretty good about that. Yeah. He remembers you. Well, Lance, obviously. You know, she was in the A-Team. She was okay. in Airwolf. She was in okay. old Remington was Steel. TV. She was a, yeah, a working huh. actress in the 80s. Anyway, so she's a diving instructor. Yeah. But, you know, she thinks something's up because one of her students got torn into a million pieces by uh, something and has holes all over his yeah. body. Interesting theory. <laughs> oh, something's going on. Hmm. And I guess she's, like, wanted, at one point, she's, like, considered a, under suspicion for murder? Yeah, well, we'll get to that. So she, we we see her, we very early on see her with her son in their hotel room. Uh, yeah, okay, so Ben w- was talking about this, and yeah. I agree with him. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. This scene's creepy. It, no, it's, it's not the only one. No. Uh, their relationship. Throughout. Yeah. But yeah. it actually- uh, You're like, are these two, like, fucking? Are they fucking? It feels right. like it. But yeah. I realized, like, I didn't know any of the background of this being, like, Italians yeah. like involved and now it makes perfect sense. Wow. The They're physical son. people. They're very hey, come on. You you love your mother. I mean you yeah, hey, come on now. I love my mother. Mozzarella. Yeah. Wow, we're really pissing yeah. off the Italians. Well that's I mean, no, but it is that is Italian culture where y'all know the final boss level of Super Mario Brothers is the Mario Brothers tag teaming their mom. Oh dear. That's what the, that's the final boss. Most people don't get to that level. Bowser's not Wait, actually. He's guys, there. He's just watching. Guys, he's just watching. I, I'm he's reading. Peeping. I'm sorry. He's <laughs> I'm reading the Wikipedia entry for this for the first time. Like the the Wikipedia entry for Piranha Two. Yeah. This is outsider art. Whoever wrote the plot description. Okay, of please. Like for example, let's go off of this. Let's run through the plot off of their description. It's long. I'm not going to read it all, but I'll read okay. you some sentences. 
Steve, a police officer, refuses to listen to Anne about her wanting to have a look at the body because she needs to know what's happened, period. The death does not seem to match the attack pattern of any marine life in this area, which she knows better than anyone, period. For her to not know what killed a diver is a dangerous sign, period. This is the Wikipedia. A <laughs> lot, lot of, lot of uh, very uh, inferences being made here. Okay, so this is what I like this movie does, right? Steve intercepts Gabby, a dynamic fisherman. Oh, a dynamite fisherman. Oh. Right, he fishes with dynamite. That's right. There's a character who fishes with dynamite. He's a dynamic dynamite fisherman. And threatens to confiscate their boat, but as Gabby explains, comma, Steve, Anne, and he, comma, are old friends. Yeah. Uh, here's this a, is all happening. Here's what I like about He's this He's building out an ensemble. Yeah. Uh, they introduce Anne early on, right? She's creepy with her son. Creepy with her son, diving instructor, you know, the boy usual. Okay, no man in the picture, right? No man. Then we're introduced to uh, Kimbra. And he's dealing with Gabby, this sort of scene you're talking about. That's the first time I think we see him. Yeah. And we get a sense of him. But Played he, by Lance Henriksen. Yes. Uh, who, who's just so fucking good. In Lance Henriksen's the best. And yeah, he, he is in three Cameron movies. And it's sad that he's not in more. Yeah. Actually, he's just a, a genre legend, right? Yeah. My roommate mentioned that he uh, ha, has been killed by an alien, yes. a predator, yes. and a Terminator. That's right. That's pretty fucking, yeah. that's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's yeah. quite he's the, an honor. Yeah. The only person to be killed by an alien, a predator, and a Terminator. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, because uh, I think, well, Paxton has. He's not in a Predator, is he? He's in Predator 2. Oh, uh, I haven't seen Predator 2. I've did. never been able to watch Predator 2 all the way through. I own it on VHS, and every time I try to put it on, I fall asleep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've never, every time I've tried to put it on, I fall I've only ever made it 20 minutes in, but Paxton's definitely in it. Yeah. He gets killed by an alien. Spoiler, we'll get to that in a future episode. And by Terminator. And right, Terminator. Yeah. right. But, well, I don't know. Anyway, he's up there. Interesting. And Lance Henriksen, great actor. Yeah. Just kind of steely, slightly demented. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's something so special. He was on that TV show Millennium for a few years that is one of the weirdest shows that ever aired on broadcast TV. Uh-huh. That um, was an X-Files spinoff? It was an X. It was by the creator of the X-Files. It wasn't really a spin Did they sort of backdoor they pilot over- it? They introduced him. They or they overlapped it. They okay. overlapped later. Like, Millennium okay. got canceled, and then they just had a real Millennium finale happen in the X-Files. That's fascinating. <laughs> Chris Carter, is who's created both shows, you know, yeah. he's a weird dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, but love Lance Henriksen. And, Me too. And I think they just met on this movie. There's a story about his, his costume cost... Uh, like no money. It uh-huh. was like he hated it. Yeah, it was basically like a store cop costume. Yeah, and he was sitting at lunch with Cameron and complaining about it. Like this is the worst costume I've ever worn in my life. And a waiter walked by and he had like epaulets. He had like a little yeah. bit, and he was like, "Let me buy that off you for seventy five dollars." Like and like just to just to put a little dressing on this costume. So there you go. That's Lance cool. Henriksen story. Um, but he's in Terminator. Yeah, he's he an alien. Cameron's first choice for playing the Terminator. Really? Yes. Yes. That's fascinating. Uh, but, you know, he is in it, and then he's in Aliens. Yeah. He, so does he was have, an early yeah. Cameron guy. Yeah, God, he's beautiful in Aliens. That's such a good performance. It's incredible. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll shower him with love. Yeah. yeah. He's, I think he's wonderful in The Terminator, too. Yeah. yeah. I, so here's an embarrassing he's confession. He's a good guy to... Oh, what, what? I have only seen the original Terminator once, oh. and it was like, like... Many years ago. 15, 16 years ago. Why haven't you seen it a bunch of times? I don't know, because I rewatch Terminator 2 all the time. Sure. Well... Terminator 2 is 
very rewatchable. Yeah. Whereas Terminator 1 is like kind of scary and dark and moody and weird. That's the thing. I think I saw both of them when I was like 11 or 12, and Terminator 2 was much more on my wavelength than Terminator 1. So I kept on going like, oh, I like the Terminator, but I'm just never going to rewatch it. I've rewatched certain scenes. I own it. I just like have not rewatched it since then. I had yeah. the same experience with Alien, where yeah. I remember as a kid, the, the sequels were more my speed because yeah. they were just more accessible. But sure. like having rewatched it like very recently, I'm like, holy fuck, this movie is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to rewatch the Terminator. Um, but as a 12 year old, like it was fucking Terminator Two is what I want to see because of when John Connor. When you're 12, right? Yeah, it has John Connor and the and the T1000 fucking rules. It does rule. Um, so I, they introduce Kimbra and Anne separately, right? I can't tell if I just wasn't paying attention if. If it was hard to follow because the film is a little sloppy. Yeah, a little sloppily edited. Right, or or if this is actually so, sort of what's going on. But, like, we get Anne and Kimbra separately before it's revealed that Kimbra's her husband, right? True. But they're separated. It's a very right. weird relationship, but well, I actually kind of like that they don't ever totally define it. Yeah. Don't we see... Doesn't he... He see her in bed with a man and get really pissed off. Yes, that's later in the film. That's like, and we we're still like, wait, why is he so mad? Like, it takes a while for us. It took a while for me to piece it together. At that point, it's been set up. No, because she, because when they wake her up, he goes like, oh no, it's your husband. You know, right? They always talk about his husband in the present tense. You get the sense, obviously, the relationship is fractured, but I don't know if they're actually separated. They're certainly not divorced. He's not an ex, and the way I think we figure out that he's. Married to her. Well, sure. first, I think you see her with the son. You see Kimbra with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dynamite Fisherman. Uh, I think his name is Gabby. Gabby, yes. And then you see Kimbra coming across his son, and you go, oh, this is his dad? He calls him dad. Right. So it's like, are they estranged? And then later when they end up in a scene together, there's not a lot of warmth, but they talk about being married. Right. And it feels like they're kind of married name only now. They've really grown apart. Something happened. And he's... He's a cop. Yes. She's a diving instructor. And he's married to his work. I mean, that's well, the, the Henriksen thing. First of all, he's not just a cop. He's a boat cop. He's a boat cop. Boat cop. He's a boat cop. Henriksen, you know, as you said, he's good at the steely sort of focus, this sort of very calm, almost unnerving intensity, you yes. know? He's got this... He's a laser beam. Yeah, it's his eyes. It's something about the way yeah. he looks at the camera or people it's weird but there's something kind of broken about him right which is the added element that makes him compelling why i think he kind of wouldn't be good as the terminator actually yeah well i think that's what uh cameron saw in him as the terminator is that weird sort of robotic right like look he has but i think you're right i mean it's just impossible he's got a little too much heart yeah, I agree with you. That's the I agree thing. With you. I agree and that's with you. what makes Bishop so perfect is that it's like, you yeah, know. I mean, Bishop's the character is supposed to have heart, of right. course. But that's what I'm saying. But Bishop is like tailor made for everything that's interesting about Lance Henriksen. Right. This character is so boilerplate, but he adds all these weird levels onto it just because he's such a compulsively watchable actor and he holds so much back. Sure. Like he's one of those actors where you can tell that he's doing a lot less than he could and not in a lazy way. But he, like, doesn't care about having to telegraph anything to you. Mm-hmm. He sort of just trusts himself. And it makes you lean forward because you're like, this guy, this guy, like, he's holding shit back from us. Like, that's a power move to be like, I don't have to play all my cards. I got this. You know, I'm only going to play them if I need them. Um, but, yeah, we, we're introduced to the two of them separately. And then it's like they're together, but they certainly aren't spending a lot of time together. He certainly seems like a workaholic. 
she, you know, has a job but is much more focused on, like, quality of life. And there's this guy coming around who's definitely, like, flirting with her. And his name is Tyler Sherman. And Kimbrough's, like, eyeballing him. Yeah, he's got his, he's got his eyes on him. He's like, what, what the fuck's your intention here? Yeah. He is played by Steve Marichuk. Yeah. Now, can I ask, what had Hendrickson done before this? Because in the credits, I think he's third, third build, but he's got a box around his name. And was it just like they knew, like, oh, he's the guy? Because they put a rectangle around him, which was sometimes a contractual obligation. Now, if you want this build, but they around. want you to know that in, this guy's important. He was in Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, right. He was in Network. He's in Network. He's in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Right. So, And he always cops. He's in Omen 2. Yeah. He's in The Visitor, always playing cops. So he's in some huge movies playing very small Small parts. roles. But, you know, yeah. he's, he's building up. You know, and then he's in network. Of, he's great, and in network, he's the um, executive yeah. who's trying to negotiate the deal with the the Black Panther type right. group. Yeah, Lo- love him. He's so good. He in so many, you know, he's in Prince of the City. He's in Jagged Edge. He's so in, he did uh, the three Lumet movies. Yeah, yeah. He's in Undangerous Ground. He's so good in um, Aliens. Obviously, wait, right. What am I thinking of? This is so good. Hard Target, the John Woo movie. Oh, the I've never seen that. John Woo. Yeah, he's yeah, great. He's good. Um, love him. Okay, so but but there is this interesting thing where it's like, uh, a Anne is like not sexualized at all. The film is about her having an affair. Yeah, I mean, we certainly is she. Yeah, she. I mean, there's plenty of people like there are these two basically bikini models, right? Who we cut to a few times. Their job is to wear swimsuits. And their their tits are out on several scenes jump, when they're not, around. they're jiggling yeah. a lot. And then they get into this fucking subplot where they go into the kitchen, try to steal food, and there's like a stuttering they, idiot They flirt there. with a stuttering chef. Right. And they're like, yeah, have you slept with two girls at once? He's like, no. And then they they have him bring the food over and then they tell him to go fuck off. And he jumps in the water to try to get after that. As Wikipedia puts it, Jai and Loretta, comma, a pair of women, comma. Oh, interesting. Arrive on a large boat. Yeah. Full stop. By their own admission, comma, they are sea bandits. Yeah. Full stop. Uh, yeah, anyway. They don't really amount to anything, and that feels like an, an Italian interference. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they get uh, eaten and even by just, flying piranhas. Right, and even just the chef character is so much broader than everything else he's doing. That's true, There's yes. also that old woman who's really horny, yeah, who appears in the beginning and the and end, the end, and what nowhere is, in the middle. What is with her? I don't know. She's really weird. Yeah. That's weird, that part. Really weird. Because you're like, is this supposed to be funny? Like, what is the, why are you including this? Like, it's not, obviously it's not like exploitative, like, TNA stuff. So that feels like Italian interference where like 80% of the way into production they were like, oh, this movie has no jokes. This guy is very serious. I mean, it's not, it has no jokes. Right. We got to include like some wacky characters. Like, stuttering chef. Stuttering chef, Horny come on now, old lady. You know, it's like all these like big broad characters that like don't really pay off to anything, don't really amount to anything. I mean, the horny old lady certainly does nothing in the fucking movie. They set up at the beginning right. where she's DTF, and then later in the film she knocks on a door with a bottle of champagne and a plate of oysters, and it's like you know they're an aphrodisiac. And then the door opens further, and there's a naked woman behind him. Which this is another interesting Cameron touch, talking about like how disinterested he seems in the cheesecake aspects of the movie. Yeah. The woman's naked, and he frames her only from, like, the, yes, the collarbone the, up. Yeah. And even the dancing, the the crazy sea pirate food stealers, whatever they fucking call them, the two young girls who are topless throughout a lot of the movie, 
like he will cut to close-ups where their breasts are out of frame. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's not. And that's like against the school of what you're supposed what to gonna, do in this type of movie. What we were saying over and over is like, it doesn't feel like he's doing it right. Like, it feels, it like, feels like he's doing it wrong because he just doesn't care. And what he wants to get right yeah. are the underwater scenes yes. and the attacks, like the piranha attack scenes. He's trying as best he can is to like invest them with a little tension, make yeah. the action, make it like some sort of a, some sort of sense. Like, yeah. Like, the, and like have the piranhas look as realistic as possible, which basically involves us not seeing them except right. when they're like wriggling around like yeah. really fast. But I also think, I mean, you talking about like how does this movie pad out an hour and 40 minutes? The main thing I think he seems invested in just as sort of maybe like an experiment, like a Petri dish for what he was going to do later on. You know, I actually, I'm having a thought. I want to, I want I got I got a gripe. Ben's really. having oh a thought. God. Ben's yeah. got a gripe. Like, all right, so they're mutant piranhas, correct? Right. Military bread or right. something. Flying piranhas. Why do they have to be the same size as a normal piranha? Oh, great question. Classic Ben Gripe. Because it's like they're trying to scare us with right. this idea of like tiny little piranhas yeah. are gonna are gonna rip me apart. So make them just like three or four times bigger. Oh wow, I didn't think you were gonna go in that direction. I thought you were gonna argue for them to be smaller. Ooh, actually, I like that. My tiny piranhas. Ooh, they go inside of your right. bloodstream well, look, and they eat you I've, from the inside out. I've literally out. never seen Ben this excited before. That's great. That's and so good. What about? Have you ever seen that movie Inner Space or for for Fantastic Voyage? Where, you know where you like shrink down and go, they go inside, inside the, the human body. Oh yeah. What if you like yeah. fought the piranhas inside blood vessels? Um, I agree. Great point, Ben. You are our finest film critic. Of course. Uh, the thing I was gonna say, the movie seems weirdly like Ben's laughing hysterically. He Ben's is. Ben's in a real Ben's real amped. He's he punchy some iced today. Coffee and I think maybe it uh, jazzed yeah. him up a little. He's jazzed up. He won't stop moving. He's laughing a lot, away from the mic. We're getting a real show here from Ben today. He's getting some crazy like Jiminy Glick on the chair poses. He really is Jiminy Glick. <laughs> um, the thing this movie feels weirdly concerned with, which is like going against the rules of what you're supposed to do in these movies. Yes, is he uh tries to give Anne and Kimbra so much integrity as characters. He does, yeah. Like, he's, they're he tries to invest it with a real arc. Yes. It's like, they won't believe her. Right. Like, she's under un, uncovering the piranha scandal. And they're played, like, very straight. Yeah. And even just the way that, like... And, like, they just think she's a lady who, you know, doesn't know it. She's a pair of tits, and, like, no right. one pays attention. But the movie, nothing around the movie actually backs this up. No, and they His don't conviction. have good character arcs. No. Like that's that's the thing. But he seems really interested in trying to make them solid as characters, you know, right, with right. what he has, not just make them like sort of clothes horses. Uh, for, yeah, know. clothes horses. No, but be like, oh, it's a cop. He's wearing the cop costume. That's all you need to know. I get. Um, it, it, the scene. So she starts having this sort of flirtation with this guy, right? Tyler Sherman. Yeah. And they go to the morgue together. Yeah. On their first date. Right. To look at a whole ridden horse. Oh, because she tells, that's the first scene where we see her talk to Kimbra, right? Is when he's like, hey, you know, this and that, your student. Like, he's asking her about what happened. And she's like, I need to see the body. I think something weird happened. And he's like, I can't let you see the body. And she's like, I was the last person to be with him. And he's like, why can't she see the body? Because he's worried that she's a suspect at this point, that there was Uh, weird foul play. But that already tells you so much about their relationship because it's like, wow, it's so so, like cold and he's all business. Yeah. Right. He's just talking to her in a business way. He even has that part where he's like, my wife has been uh, near the two dead bodies of the three that have appeared or something. He says that to her. Yes. So that's that's what happens. So then her and, and Tyler. Start like flirting. She's like, I just need some time alone. He's like, Come on. He's being real pushy. 
And she's like, fine, you want to come with me? Fine. Break into a morgue with me. They break into a morgue. Yeah. They see a whole ridden body with some of the legs that have been chopped off and stuff. Yes. Bones. It's kind of cool. Right. Then a nurse arrives. Yeah. And shoes them away. Get out of here. You have no respect for the dead. Yeah. Then she's cleaning up. This is kind of a good scene. Yeah, and it's it's a good Cameron. There's a decent Cameron of- scare where she's underneath the table, and then the corpse's hand just sort of falls onto her, and, like and not prior off to that, the body, just sort of slips off the table. You know, prior to that, the music's been playing. The They're piranha theme, so it's like the building kind of tension thing, and you're like, music. okay, piranha attack, piranha attack. You know, and then the arm slips down, and you're like, and she's like, oh, oh, yeah, right, false jump scare, but no. When no the piranha guys. actually, this happens There's a lot. There's a piranha in the body. Yeah, she looks into the body in the hole, and then a little mouth comes out, and she's like, what? And the piranha jumps out and flies in her face and attacks her neck <laughs> and, and everything. And flies out a window. Right. Guys, that happened. This one's got flying for eyes. They fly. But here's the thing he does a couple times in this movie. Builds the tension. You know something's going to happen. The music's playing. They're near a body, or they, they're near the ocean, or whatever it is. Da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na. Oop, fake out, jump scare, here's an arm falling, here's a this. And then they go like, woo. And then when the piranha actually jumps out and attacks, no music. Right. Which is kind of an interesting inversion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't notice that. That's good. The, the attacks are like silent. Like you're mm-hmm. just hearing mm-hmm. their screams. Ah! Yeah. Well, and it makes burning. them more chilling. Like sure. less scary, but more upsetting. But in a way that's interesting. Again, here's the thing. Yeah. The attacks are all one piranha bites someone's neck. Yeah. It's not, I mean, underwater, the implication is that the attacks are more like a bunch of piranhas attacks. Yes. We don't really see that. They obviously right. don't have the budget for that. Right. So it's pretty good, the scene where the nurse dies. Yeah. But then once it's the, the swims, same one the over swimsuit models die yeah. on the boat, I mean, it's the same thing. You're a little one sick trip. of it. Yeah. And then, like, they do it again at the party en masse. It's no good. Yeah. It's no good. The movie, after, I would say after the nurse gets attacked, the movie is no good for basically the okay, whole movie but, until the end. But here's the scene I find the most interesting. Ben, Ben's shaking his head. I'm sorry. Worked I mean, up. Ben's getting worked so up. I so mad because a piranha should come out of the toilet and totally get somebody in the butt, and they never did that. Have you seen Snakes on a Plane? Hell yeah. Because there's the bit in Snakes on a Plane, I believe, where a snake comes out of the toilet and bites the guy in the dick. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's that's, that's what you want out of a movie. Fun. Yeah. Um, uh, do you see his dick? Uh, you don't, which I don't love. Yeah. Anyway. You know what's the one thing about, like, because I know this is our big soapbox, is, like, getting more dicks on movies? Yeah. Uh, I was just watching, like, the, the two perfunctory scenes where oh, they- wait, here you go. Hold on. Here's your box. Oh, <sighs> thank you, Ben. Has placed a soapbox on the ground. I'm stepping up onto it. Okay. Great, great object work, guys. Doing some Foley work here. This is me stepping up to the box. <laughs> but, yeah, that really sounds like you stepping onto the box. Yeah, yeah. That's how many steps you take to the box? Sorry, the box is really far away. Let me walk over. <clears throat> now let me What's, pour, what about pour myself dicks? a glass what, what of water. Is, what is it about dick? Let me drink this water. You piece of shit. Here's the thing about dicks, okay? In this movie, the scenes, the perfunctory, like, topless scenes from the actresses, you're like, oh, fuck. You know, no question, like, sexism exists in the mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. You know, devaluing women as characters, robbing them of agency. Yeah, All yeah. they exist to do is be titillation. No question. But just talking in pure, like, cinematic terms, it's much harder to frame a dick clearly in an image and also get emotion from the actor because you have to go far enough away. You do. Whereas, like, you can just kind of, like— Look, if the dick was on our chest, maybe things would be different. Th- that's my—okay, so here's my new soapbox. Ben, will you throw the new soapbox on the ground? Oh, sure. Hold on. Oh, this is heavy. Okay. 
Wow. Let me walk Real over. Heavy. It's on the other side of the room. Okay, I'm sorry. I know we're running long, so let me just run over there. <laughs> okay, let me pour myself a glass of whiskey. <laughs> whiskey? Glug, glug, wow. Glug, glug, it's glug, early. Glug, 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 glug. Let me drink this whiskey. <laughs> New soapbox. We should have dicks on our chest. Good job, buddy. <laughs> hey, Griffin. Get down from there. Okay, hold on one second. Let me jump off of this soapbox. Can you guys tell the baby we don't have a ton to say about this movie? <laughs> Let me launch my parachute. And of course, this is happening uh, after David read that review where people say that you always derail bits. So I refuse to derail this bit. Literally, this is like the dumbest thing ever. Oh, wait, guys. I landed in a tree. Hold on one second. Let me get myself out of the leaves here. Crickle, crickle, crickle. Crickle, crickle? That's the word? I can't hear you. These leaves are crickling too loud. Crickle, crickle, yeah, maybe crickle. we should just do as much of this as possible so that person understands what my job is on this fucking show. Uh, be careful what you wish for, baby. Yep. Uh, um. Okay, so they, <laughs> they they leave the morgue and, and they fuck, right? They have some hot sex. Uh, you're talking about... Um, uh, Tyler and Ann. Tyler and Ann. Yeah. They fuck at the hotel. Oh, and the son at certain points kind of discarded because he starts working on a boat with a, a young... A young Pretty young thing that he clearly has a crush on, and yeah, the dad's like, got, like pretty cute, shorts, huh? And they're yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> and he's just on the boat with her, right? And you're like, at some point, he's going to be in danger, which he kind of is a little bit at the end. Kimber kind of saves him before he's in danger. Kimber just sort of pulls the boat up next to him and is like, get on, yeah. <laughs> and they do. But before there's it. ever like a threat, like the threat is we know that Piranha's in the water, but she is like a sixth brawless character, so I guess there's that, right? Yeah. Um, but but Anne and Tyler sleep together, right? They do, and uh, the film doesn't really judge them for that. No big deal. Which but, I kind of love. No, me too. But then Kimbra shows up, and he's like, <clears throat> "Yes, but he also doesn't freak out. Like he doesn't. No. So he comes because he's like, there are three people have died in the last twenty four hours, and you were the last one to see two of them. Right. Right. Like the scene very quickly becomes about the stakes of the piranha situation. So like she's still sleeping. Tyler's got the arm around her. Kimbra's there looking for her. He walks in. He sees the two of them in bed. Tyler sort of weakly waves. And then Kimbra just like kind of like fucking shakes his head and walks out, right? Right. And Tyler wakes her up, and he's like, hey, your husband just showed up. Yeah. And she's like, oh, fuck. And she refers to it at some point earlier in the film as an affair. Like, she does say it's an affair. Right. You know? Which is like not the ex-husband, but it's like he's so distant that it's like she needs to find it's love from somebody. Over. yeah. And that you think this film, a shittier version of this film could go towards... The M. Night Shyamalan thing where it's like, you know, oh, the man who's become too obsessed with another thing and has neglected his wife. And by the end of the film, he has to realize that the wife is the thing he cares about the most. Right. But this movie is just kind of like, I mean, he cares about her, but he's incapable of showing real emotion. He's Like, that's Kimber's thing. He's emotional in Aliens. Yeah. He's even a little emotional in The Terminator, I would yeah. say. A little sympathetic. Not so much in this one. But I think the character's kind of written that way. Like, it's almost an interesting exploration of a guy who is so obsessive that he can't really connect to other people. So obsessive about his job is, like, basically a beach patrolman. Right. I mean, like, it's weird. But, But they, like, Tyler wakes her up, and he's like, your husband's here. And she's like, what? 
And he's like, hey, I tried to uh, gnaw my arm off, but I couldn't do it in time. So she runs out to talk to Kimbra. They don't talk about that at all. No, yeah, he's he's like he's seething, and it's actually kind of dramatically show up. Yeah, interesting, yeah, yeah. like more interesting than you get out of most of these movies. Where the scene, I'm focusing on the scene so much just because I think the scene is kind of an anomaly in this type of movie. But there's no possessive fight over it. Uh-huh. He kind of realizes, you're right. like, you're right. I mean, I can't be angry. Well, I haven't been there for her. What can yeah, I fucking yeah. say? Well, but and then he, this he gets is... down to business, which is like. This, that, three people dead, you need to be ready. And she's like flying piranhas. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't want to hear this bullshit. So the scene is him doubting her because he's starting to worry that she's a suspect. But there's like no shaming over the affair. There's no angry fight. And the movie just kind of proceeds, which is like, that feels like that's Cameron's more interested in that. It's funny because, yeah, and then at the end of the movie... I yeah. Mean, do we have to say anything more about the plot of this movie? No. What they the fucking more prize? They do a thing. It turns she, out that Steve. Yeah. I mean that Tyler works for the company. Worked for the piranha. The company that militarized the piranhas <laughs> and gave them wings. The piranha militarizing company, and for some reason they dropped off a bunch of like piranha eggs. Yeah. He knew this. Yeah, he knew. This was a big influence on Aloha. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The militarization of piranhas. Yeah, the piranhas. There's so, also that weird scene where they kill the piranhas by playing the entire history of media. That's to them. right. That yeah. was a great scene. That was a great scene. Bill Murray was really mad though. Yeah. Um, piranhas are so a they, crazy force. They'll just knock you out. They have that second act fight. Yes. Where she's like, "I can't believe you didn't tell me you knew about the militarization of the piranhas." You know, where it's like the cla- you know, like it's a very t- typical sort of moment in a script like this where it's like then the couple like, you know, fights over something, but then they get back together to take on the piranhas, yeah. which involves them swimming through a lot of air shafts underwater. They're trying to well Gabby's trying to Blow it up. Yes. The dynamite fisherman makes a bomb yeah out of like an alarm clock right. or something. Yeah. Which you probably enjoyed. There's a lot of close-ups on a ticking Clock. Well, there's also that thing which where is something Cameron loves, and there's so yes. much of that in Aliens. And Gabby yeah. goes to her boss. Not Gabby. I'm sorry. Uh, uh fucking Anne goes to her boss. Yeah, he goes to her boss, and she goes to her boss and says, "Flying piranhas," and he says, "You're fired." Right. Which I just that's a lot of the Cameron movies. The villain of every Cameron movie is usually yeah, the like corporate a bureaucrat stooge. who doesn't understand right. like, what it's like on the on the ground. Right, and is more interested in trying to get something, be it money, be it unobtainium, be it the xenomorphs. Yep. And yep. does not care about how many human lives. He goes, oh, do you know? He's so good in Avatar. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh, so excited but, to talk uh, about God, that. The fucking merchandise spotlights we're going to have for the rest of the season are oh, unbelievable. No. We're oh, finally I'm getting back excited. into fertile oh, merchandise spotlight territory. Just the arcade games alone. Oh, yeah. yeah the games, I'm down. But uh, that's that's like a classic Cameron trope. And the guy's like, we already have appointments booked all day. I'm not canceling them. You're fired. And sure. so she feels like there's the conspiratorial, you know, much like the Whale and Yutani company of like, oh, they don't care. Like they, they know and we money. don't care. Uh, so she's got money gotta, you make from diving lessons. Right. She's got to take it in her own hands. Gabby loses. You diving bureaucrat. There's that scene where Gabby's over the dead body. Is that supposed to be a friend of his or a relative? It's a friend of his. Yeah. And then Gabby bites it at the uh, big spawning scene, which happens at a party. But that's Gabby has the scene with Anne where he's like, I don't care if I die. I need to go down there. I need to stop this. So he makes the bomb. Yes. But Anne and Steve take it down. Not Steve. Tyler. Tyler take it down there. Yeah. They put the bomb down there, and then they have to leave. It's actually pretty simple. It's I, very simple. But it just takes them a while. But they'd already done that drumming thing where they tried to, like, conjure the fish. Yeah. On the beach. And then maybe the fish cut them off. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know. Well, the, the only thing that's good is like during this big final sequence. Yeah. So you you're cutting to upstairs where uh, above the water upstairs. Yeah. Where uh, Lance Henriksen's in a helicopter and then he crash lands the helicopter on the water somehow. Uh huh. What was that about? That he, was weird. He jumps out of the helicopter. I don't yeah. totally understand, but it looks cool. It looks pretty good for a cheap movie. Yeah, he then jumps he, out of the helicopter, and the helicopter crashes in the water and explodes. Then he gets I don't on know a why boat, exactly. picks yeah. up the kids, and then goes over to the wreck. Meanwhile, The down, kids who don't seem to be in danger. Whatever. Right, which them. is interesting. Yeah. Meanwhile, down at the wreck, uh, you've got uh, Anne and Tyler, Yeah. and they're swimming through these air shafts, and Anne makes it out, and Tyler doesn't. He gets eaten yeah. by the piranha. Yeah. Z- yeah. And what I just like is Cameron puts like a red light on his death scene. Yeah. Like it's just a big red filter or a red yeah. light or something. Yeah. And it looks pretty good. Looks because really all he's got is this shot of wriggling piranhas, like a right. big group of them. Yeah. Like they're not moving. Yeah. Like they're, I mean, they're wriggling, but they're not moving in any direction. But it's kind of a little scary. Yeah. And apparently he used some of the very early tech, like to make his face huggers in Aliens. Like, you know, the same yes, ideas. Yes, I think he yes. said it was the same sort of principles and yeah. doing that sort of stuff. So that's cool. But the movie ends with... Uh, oh, you know, she 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 gets out of there. She gets out of she there. She grabs onto the anchor as the boat they is They think leaving. she's dead. It's kind of a nice, unspoken, silent moment where Kimbrell looks and she's she's not there and sits on the boat and then the son kind of reacts and can tell from his father's face what happened. And he sort of grabs his son and holds him without having to say anything. Yeah, Henriksen's good. And then she bubbles up to the water, you know? She floats up and then they all get together and they hug and it's... He doesn't overplay it, but it's like the end of the movie is like, well, she had this affair. The guy died. Kimber almost lost her. Maybe now he's going to like appreciate it, but he doesn't say anything, you know? No. He doesn't say anything, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, it's like a very interesting portrayal of a marriage in this film because it's like- <laughs> That's a stretch, but it's more interesting than you'd expect. For, for this type yes. of movie. It's on that relative scale, it's very interesting because you rarely see affairs depicted like this. As not being like a a traitorous act, you know, mm-hmm. and not villainizing the characters for engaging in them, and Kimbrell like isn't an asshole. He just can't be there for her. He it, that's his failing as a person. Right. And the movie seems more interested in that than anything else. I think speaking to Cameron's nature as like a very obsessive person, I think he kind of gets that kind of guy. I mean, uh, I don't know if we're gonna cover it on this, but there's a movie called like James Cameron's Deep Sea Dive or something like that. It was a film he didn't direct. It was a 3D documentary. Oh, maybe that should be our bonus episode. I, well, I think we do need to do the two that he directed as well. But maybe we no, do no, that. No, as a we're bonus gonna episode. do the two he directed oh, as yeah. an episode. Yeah, that's an episode. I think we should do that as a bonus episode because that movie's fascinating. But it's about him going on an exploration to dive deeper than anyone ever has in the ocean. Oh, I think that's one of the movies he made. It doesn't it's not. We'll get to, okay. This came out like two years ago. He didn't direct it. All right. I saw it in theaters. It was released in 3D. There's Aliens of the Deep and there's Ghosts of the Abyss. And this is called like James Cameron's Undersea Exploration 3D. Like the title is that clunky. Right. But it's like they talk to Susie Amos, who's his current wife. And the whole thing is he's going down into this little pod where the pressure is so great in the ocean that if, like, a rivet isn't perfectly tightened, he will just explode. Like, he will explode in a capsule. And they just talk to Susie Amos, and she's just kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, I'd love it if my husband didn't need to put himself in a situation with a very high risk of death. But I guess that's who I'm married to. Yeah, like, that's who she's married to. You just to. have to know that he would rather like go deeper into the ocean than anyone ever has when that's a hobby, not even his job. Like He's electing to do that than make sure that he could be there for his wife and kids forever. You know? 
No, that's well. We'll talk more about him. But, but that's, that's the what you got to roll with with James Cameron. Yeah. yeah. You know what else we could do? What as a bonus? We could do we could do TD two T two three D Battle Across Time, which I want to do. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's talk about the matter at hand. Yes. There has been a bonus episode that's been suggested to us. Oh, yeah, I am very much in favor that. of doing right. it. David is against it. Ben, yeah, I want yeah. your opinion. And also, I want listeners to write in because I think you're all going to back me up on this. Right, but we're not going to do it. There is a touring Cirque du Soleil show that is coming to the New York Barclay Center the weekend of September 11th. It's playing like the 6th to the 11th or something <laughs> like that. The 7th to the 11th. Right, very soon, right? It might actually be right around when this episode drops called Turok, The First Flight. And it is a Cirque du Soleil show inspired by but telling a new original story in the Avatar universe. We're doing a fucking James Cameron miniseries. There's a James Cameron Cirque du Soleil show that is coming to New York City while we're recording, and David doesn't want to go. Right, right. I don't. Here's why. Don't want to go. Ben? Sounds boring. Well, all right. I, I I like a carnival. Hell's yeah. <laughs> um, I like. A, I love a carnival. I like quote, a French. I like a French carnival. <laughs> I love a French carnival. Quote. Ben I, I never saw uh, Avatar. <laughs> well, are you excited to see Avatar? Yeah, I'm bummed that I didn't get the 3D experience. And I, I'll say, I, maybe uh, you should buy a 3D TV. Listener, listener, and Thanks, friend man. of the show, Jordan Fish has a 3D TV and has oh. offered up our 3D TV, his 3D TV, to us to watch the three 3D movies, the two documentaries and Avatar. If we Isn't want. it funny how 3D TVs for a second it was like, oh, soon they're all gonna be 3D, and like now yeah. it's like smart everyone's, TV. everyone's like, yeah. oh, forget it, yeah. <laughs> forget it, forget it, forget it, forget yeah. it. I can't. They're curved one. now. Yeah, you know, right. Curved that's TV the new now. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and okay. I can't wait for one year from now for them to be like, oh, actually, it turns out curves are a bad idea. <laughs> like, TV should be flat. Yeah, I don't I don't get the curve thing. Um, well, this has been our episode. No, 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 no. What? No, 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 oh, no. Oh, box office game. Box office game. Okay. Excuse me. But as we're playing the box office game, I'm going to hand Ben a phone playing the Avatar Cirque du Soleil show so he can see and weigh in on whether or not he wants to see this. I know what Ben's going to say immediately. Well, of course. That's, uh, that's okay. just pandering. Box office game. This didn't come anywhere close to the top 10. It barely got released, but it, we're going to try It's not even listed in right. Box Office Mojo's database because I don't think... It, I, I don't know how much money this movie made. Yeah. It's not not known. Ben's got a huge grin on his face. Of I just want the listener to know. Uh, so this movie came Let's out... Let's go. Let's go, right? We got to go. <laughs> yeah, you guys have fun. You're coming. <laughs> You're coming with us, David. Uh-huh. That's great. Um, so... Ooh, they got kites. <laughs> Let me see this. Let me see this. <laughs> Turk, the first flight. It, it kind of looks basically like someone ripped off the Lion King, like, you know, yeah. except with Avatar. Yeah. Yeah, there they are. How Done. long is this? So, Good Lord. I think it's seven hours. <laughs> no, it's probably like hour 40. It's probably like a trim hour 40. Like, you know, one of these this episodes. Looks so painfully bad. I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to see this with you. I'm going to have such a good time watching this next to you. Okay, box office game, 1981. So it came out the weekend of November 4th, 1982. God, I love this. I'm so excited to see this. Yeah. Uh, it came out in Italy in 81. Yeah, okay. Put the trailer away. They're Put petting, it away. Put they're it petting th- a dire horse. Put it away now. The floating mountains of Pandora. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So the number one movie that week, Okay. I want you to tell me. From it 1982. 1982, November. It was an action movie. One of one of his best ever. Uh, the actor or the director? The actor. I don't even know who directed it. I forget. Interesting. Okay, so it's pretty anonymous. One of his best ever. And it's, it's such a good movie. It's not Schwarzenegger. It's not Stallone. It is Stallone. It is Stallone. Is it First Blood? 
Okay. First blood. And then Cameron writes... Rambo 2, right? He writes Rambo 2. Uh, I think he's the sole Rambo credited screenwriter. Yes. Um, Interesting. Okay. I think you're right, which is not a good movie, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. All right, number two... First is, Blood, okay, is, is number one. ...is a national... Is it made $6.6 million in second week release. Number two mm-hmm. is a National Lampoon movie, but not one I know. An early one, pre-Animal House. Not pre-Animal House, because Animal House comes out before that. I think Animal no. House is 79. You're right. You're right. It's the third Animal House. Right. They filmed it while he was still on. I mean, it's, it's the third National Lampoon. Sorry. Right. And Vacation hasn't happened yet? No. Okay, so it's... Whew. John Hughes is the credited writer. Oh, oh, I fucking, oh, God. It's I know, a really dull name. I know what this is, yeah. Have you seen it? No, but I just know because of reading, like, John Hughes' profiles and shit. Uh, well, well, I, I'm never going to get the title. What's the fucking name of this class one? Class Reunion. Yes, I knew it was something school Never or class. heard of it. Yeah. Is it? I, I've never heard of it. I, I've, ne- I've never seen it. I n- have heard no one say anything interesting about it. Huh. It just comes up when people are writing about John Hughes' career. No- I knew it was some school fucking thing. Yeah. Number three is a movie that some people like. It's a th- the third in a horror franchise. Is it the best one? Is it Nightmare on Elm Street Part no. 3, Dream Warriors? Dream Warriors! It's not Dream Warriors. Okay, because that's the best. Um, It is the. It's a, a curio. Is it, is it Halloween 3, Season of the Witch? That's right. That's right. Okay. Which I've never seen. And is... That was the it's one. The one that doesn't have Michael Myers in it. It's just another. They tried thing. to make it an anthology of just <laughs> films that take place on Halloween. Yeah, yeah. And then they never did that again. Yeah. <laughs> but I think some people kind of like it. Yeah, it's like got its fans. I think. Yeah. yeah, I just think it's a cool idea they did that. And then we're like, never mind. Halloween four, Mikey Myers, baby. <laughs> number four was, I believe, the number one grossing film of all time at the time. Uh, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Correct. In what week of release? 74? It is in the 21st week of release. It Jeez. has made $279 million that will in 1982. Never happen again. Uh, A no. run like that, okay? In fact, in, in act in just to adjust for inflation, uh, it had made $823 million domestically. <laughs> Number five is a movie that adjusted had made $250 million in its 14th week of release. It was an Oscar winner. It's a romantic drama. Out of Africa? No. Oh, no, no, because that wins a different year. It okay. wins in, like, 85 or right. something. Um, starring, I don't want to tell you. Uh, it won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, it's a naval romance. Oh, oh. The great Lou Gossett Jr. giving right. that Oscar perf in Officer and a Gentleman. Officer and a Gentleman, which made, yeah, so much money. Yeah. Holy shit. You are the wind beneath. You, you know, you forget because... Like, to us, an officer and gentleman, it's like, it's a footnote, right? It's like, right. oh, well, there's the scene where he lifts her up and Love carries her out. So, so. Yeah. And, uh, uh, what's a Dickie Gossett Gear? Jr.'s in it, yeah. you know, Dickie Gear's in it, and yeah. he's got a cute uniform on. That movie made $400 million adjusted, you know? Remember, it was a phenomenon. Remember when adults used to go see movies? It's crazy. So there you go. That's your that's your top five. That's fascinating. You've also got Monsignor. Which I think is like a Peter O'Toole. Never heard of it, but it sounds like a Peter O'Toole movie. <laughs> uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall is up there. Rocky Three is in there. Rocky Three and First Blood, both in the top Dude, ten. Baby Stallone. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Eighty-two, different time. It's a different time. But so that's- yeah. Uh, everything else is going to be really great, guys. Yeah, get ready. So sorry about this episode. Uh, I mean, we had fun, fun, but uh, fun. I, we know. had a fun time. I don't know. I, if feel, I mean, the wide awake praying with anger. Uh, 
like lead into the Shyamalan series is also pretty pretty weak. I know? think what that could we do? Really? Yeah, yeah. But combining the two made it a little like yeah, more yeah, yeah. action packed. What if we had combined Piranha Two: The Spawning and The Terminator? Yeah, for some. But reason. that was the problem. It's like I wish he had two underwhelming movies to at the beginning. I mean, we could have watched his short film Xenogenesis. Is it available online anywhere? I have no idea. Okay. I've never well, looked for it. We'll he did make it. a twelve-minute uh, like sci-fi movie uh, in 1978, which was his calling card, I guess. I feel like this is going to be the first season where we do twelve different bonus episodes. Yeah, we may. Maybe we'll do. I mean, or maybe we'll do a like bonus multiple episodes. Yeah, I don't, for like a certain movie. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I don't Game know, man. over, man. Game over, man. Look, thank you for listening. Please wow. remember to rate, review, subscribe. New mini. It's a new mini. We broke off a new mini, baby. That was me breaking it off. Ciao. That's what happens when you break off a new mini. And like a flare gun, it goes up into the sky. Yeah. Not flare gun, flare kiss. I don't know. Fuck me. Flare kiss? Yeah, flare kiss. Uh, flare kiss. <laughs> flare kiss. Yeah. <laughs> How was that? Do you like that? I love that. Yeah. Uh, 15 I comedy points. I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. 50 uh, or 15? 15. Okay. Uh, and hey, uh, shout out to and thanks to uh, Andy Levy. Mm-hmm. Who great. Uh, Andy Levy really uh, recently, uh, it'll be less recently by the time this airs, had me on his show Red Eye, the Fox News show, mm-hmm. interviewed me to talk about The Tick, and on air gave me 10 comedy points. Yes, and I told him to do that yeah. via Twitter DM. Yeah, but he did it. No, he did it. No, I, I was not sure that he was going to do it. There's no footage of me on Fox News being given 10 comedy points. Well, you bring up Andy. Yeah. You just made me think. We never talked about the Jewish stereotype oh character God. in the movie. Who disappears. Oh who just yeah. disappears. She, he does have sex. The dentist? Yeah. yeah. At the, I mean, that's the last you see of him, right? Yeah. During the piranha attack, he's like, huh. Well, I'm getting laid, or like so, you know, he like closes the screen door. Yeah. So at least he has sex. Nice. Nice. Uh, so Andy Levy, that's what made you. Is it Levy or Levy? I, I don't know. know. That's why I'm cutting both ways. But th- that man, that Levy. man's Jewish last name made you think of the Jewish stereotype in this movie. Great job, Ben Hosley. Yeah. Very reductive. Jesus Christ, Ben. <laughs> well, I, You've gotten mad with power. Uh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, you come you on, might be ben. our finest film critic, but you're not our finest humanist. No, I. I like everybody. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay. Apology accepted. Ben for president. Yeah, ben for president. You, yeah, you're not 35 yet, right so yeah, maybe not president. Yeah. But, you know, think about it. Maybe next time. I, I could do politics. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you know, pr- pr- politician, president, Ben? Yeah. Pres- president, president? Botus. Yeah, there we go, Botus. Great, great. Ben of the United States. You guys are enjoying this, right? <laughs> Having a great time. Ben, don't keep this all yeah. in. Keep it all in and then play it again. Double yeah. it. Play it again. Yeah, Sam. Play, play it again. again, Sam. Play it again, Ben. We're going to rewind and start from the beginning. Yeah, just Great. play it all backward. Okay. Fantastic. You know, like Memento style. Yep. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening. <laughs> Tune in next week for The Terminator. The Terminator. Yeah. Good movie. Yeah. Which apparently you haven't seen, so that's actually exciting. I mean, I seen barely, a while. I mean yes. but you have barely remember. I, so I haven't seen through adult eyes. Exactly. I, have, really I remember exciting. it. But really I good seen. through adult eyes, especially. Yeah in modern terms, is a movie that is about women feeling under threat at all times wherever they go while they're walking on the streets at night. Basically. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, really great movie. Um, Michael Bean, baby. Oh, Michael Bean, baby. Bean, baby, bean. Bean, baby, bean. Uh, thank you for listening. Yes. And as always, yes. Ben, would you mind placing down my tallest soapbox? Oh, yeah, hold on. Wow, it's made of metal. Clink! It's metal, so it made a. Okay, yeah, let me. That was okay. good. Noise.
lot of steps. Let me just take a breather here. Whew. Okay, let's... Okay, let me change outfits. Let me unzip it. Zip. Let me put on a different jumpsuit here. Zip. Do these Velcro latches. Kick. 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 <clears throat> okay, let me. Oh, shoot some. I love how you're the one who's in a rush. Flares into the air. I don't know how much longer this is going for. Okay, and now David's walking out of the studio. <laughs> ka yeah, That was too realistic, Ben. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a cat? Woof, 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 woof. No, David, don't say anything. Let this go. Kupong, 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 kupong. Now, my bowling ball. Now, 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 now. Step up to the mic. Hello. Thank you all for waiting. Now that everything has been set up properly, I'd like to announce that this is the end of the episode. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network.